This is episode 181. How do you know when a relationship is over with Breton? Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I always love that you listen and tune in. I'm seeing so many of you sharing some of your favorite episodes and aha moments on Instagram, and I love that. Be sure to tag me so that I can send you some love and hearts and appreciation when you do. And it just means so much that you share the show. And honestly, that's how the show grows. And that's how we help serve as well. You know, this is a different kind of show where we're doing some deep work and we're talking about things that not everybody's talking about. And so it really helps if you have an aha moment or you feel like a particular episode would be really, really helpful to share. Please, please do. That's one of the things that I've learned over time is that the things that have helped me most help other people most. So if you hear an episode or a line from an episode or something that just really is an aha moment for you, I encourage you to share it. It doesn't mean you have to share it on social media. Maybe you tell a good friend of yours to listen to it or you just talk about it over lunch because that also helps ground our insights. When we talk about things that we learn with people that we care about, it helps us integrate the learning. So many of you I know feel like you're kind of a black sheep and you're doing this personal development thing all on your own and you don't have to. And honestly, you shouldn't because if you're just learning all this stuff and listening in a vacuum and not really sharing with anyone else, then it just kind of stays as awareness. But if you're able to share what you're learning from this podcast or anything else that you're doing, then it really helps to integrate it. And it helps you form a community and it helps you learn that vulnerability is safe. And as I'm talking about this, maybe it would be cool if we started like, not like a book club, but a podcast club. And you had to listen to a certain number of episodes and then get together and talk about what you learned. So if anyone wants to start doing that. I'd be, I'd be curious to how that works. Another thing I want to talk to you about today, and you've probably heard me talking about it if you follow me and listen regularly, is B-School. And you know, if you're sick of hearing about B-School, the good news is I only talk about it once a year because it only is launched once a year. And I, the reason I talk about it so much is because I truly believe in it. And what B-School is, is it's an online training program for modern day entrepreneurs. It basically teaches you how to build an online business. And from my point of view, any business is really online. You know, whether you're selling water bottles or you're selling life coaching, if you don't have a website, if you don't have an online presence, then how do you really build your business? And I'm super excited because every year I offer a unique set of bonuses. If you enroll through my link, which is christinehaster.com slash bschool that involve coaching you. It's four live group coaching calls. It's guided meditations that are customized to the modules you're learning. So I help talk to your unconscious mind so you can take in the learnings better. It's a private Facebook group and it's a one day live retreat with me. So you can check all those out at christinehassler.com slash bschool. But I really encourage you if you've been on the fence about bschool this year or for many years before to just choose, to just jump in. There's a money back guarantee policy. So it's not really that big of a risk. Don't wait until next year. The more you wait, the more you procrastinate, the more you're delaying making the impact that you really want to make here in the world, living 
according to your dreams and really having the lifestyle you crave, whether it's location freedom, financial freedom, or just really getting out of bed every day and doing something that you love. So again, christinehassler.com slash bschool. And speaking of making decisions, I know that one decision that a lot of you deal with or have dealt with is how to decide if a relationship is over. I've talked a lot on the show and in my book, Expectation Hangover, about expiration dates when it comes to relationships, meaning some relationships have an end. It's not for the highest good of anyone involved to stay in it. But how do you know when it reaches that point? Well, that's what I dive into today on my call with Breton. So as you're listening to this call, consider, are you in a relationship that you feel may have an expiration date, but you can't seem to get clear? Are you playing out some of the things that happened in your childhood with your current romantic partner? And even though you know you probably should leave, you just can't seem to get out. Are you the one in the relationship that's doing a lot of work and doing a lot of work and doing a lot of work and going to therapy and listening to podcasts and doing and doing and doing and your partner refuses? And as much as you try to get him or her to enroll in making changes or working on themselves, they just aren't. And finally, if you are considering leaving a relationship, is it making it harder because you have a child? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Breton. And before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for the week, which is BioClarity. And this is a product line I am super excited about. If you know me, you know that I like natural things. I don't like a lot of chemicals. I don't like a lot of fake stuff, especially when it comes to what I put in my body and on my body. And I love BioClarity because it is a garden-given, skin-loving beauty brand that wants to help you achieve beautifully, naturally glowing skin. Basically what healthy eating does for your body, BioClarity does for your face. And it's really true. Like all their, the serums and the creams that I use and the masks, they're, they're green. <laughs> so it feels natural. So when they say their green skincare line offers essential products to help clear up and calm your skin, it really is green. And for me, I didn't have too many things I needed to clear or calm, but it just brightened it. It just really keeps it absolutely balanced, which I love. I use their essentials routine for normal or dry skin. It's a three-step regimen that's packed with gentle nutrients that really, really nurture your natural radiance. There's a cleanse, a restore, and a hydrate. And I love all parts of the routine. And when I want a little extra special treat, I use their clarifying mask. So if you want to take the first step to healthier, more radiant skin and go all natural, go green, go to bioclarity.com. And right now for my listeners, when you purchase a skincare routine, you'll get a free clarifying mask, that one that I like that I mentioned with your order. That's a $25 value for free but you've got to enter my code over it to get it at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and use the code over it at checkout to get your free clarifying mask when you purchase a routine. And now onto my coaching call with Breton. Breton, welcome to the show. How can I help? So I've got a few concerns about some things in terms of how I'm tackling issues right now in my personal life. And mm-hmm. I figured this is kind of a good opportunity to take a stab at diving into a couple of those. They all pretty much surround my wife and marriage that I'm in right now in the relationship that I'm in. And, you know, kind of wondering if things are going to work out long term and mm. some stuff that's going on between us. And just trying to figure out, I think that, the thing, the part where I get confused is more along the lines of 
how do you know if you're analyzing too much, uh, you like overanalyzing or understanding if you're making that person as happy as you can. And if you're a right pair okay. long-term and how much thought did you put into that? Um, that's, okay. that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm yeah. Dive into it. yeah. Well, unfortunately that's not a black and white question. You know, it's not a question sure. like, how do you know if you're pregnant? <laughs> you know, it's not one of those things that you can just be like, oh, well, you take a test and then you know. So there's so many things that weave into that. So let me just get a little background. How long have you been married? So we've been married um, just less than three and a half years. Okay. And how long have you been together? Um, just less than five. Okay. And why did you get married? Kind of an interesting scenario. So uh, I was living in uh, Ohio at the time, moved to New York for work, and she had gotten pregnant early on in our relationship. We ended up getting married after um, we had our son. And it was kind of an ultimatum that, you know, look, you're getting relocated for work. If you want me and us to come with you, you know, I'm only doing that if we're married. So it was kind of one of those things that I sort of jumped in from that perspective. And and I won't say that things were, you know, bad at the time. Things were okay. I just don't know that there was a great foundation at the time before we got married. Correct. And sorry if you said this, how long were you together before she got pregnant? Not long, a uh, couple months, maybe upwards okay. of three months. Okay, so not a, a long amount of time to really know someone, especially if you weren't living together and spending all your time together. So Correct. let me just ask you this. If there was no child involved, would you still be with this person? No. Okay. So my sense is you already know what you want, yet you're a good man and trying to do the quote-unquote right thing. And are staying for those reasons. I think I think that's true. I hope that's true. Yeah. Well, what else could be true? I don't know. You know, I think just the desire to, you know, because I I won't say that I've been perfect in a relationship. You know, nobody is. She. I'm not sure she would say that she has been. So you always kind of have those wonders of like if I had done certain things differently, would be we'd be in the place that we're in today. And that's kind of where I keep coming to the thought of. Like, am I overanalyzing it at this point? Am I trying to live too much in the past of things that I could have changed to make the now or like the present better? Um, those Give me an example of something myself. you would have changed. Um, ooh, not being as focused maybe on work and putting that person a little bit more forefront of my mind. Um, okay, but let me ask you this. Yeah. Why didn't you put her forefront and why did you put work ahead? I'm not sure I did. I think that's, I would definitely say that that's her feeling. I tried to be very balanced and I try to be balanced in everything that I do and take a, you know, a half heart, half mind approach to everything. Um, but mm-hmm. again, I'm not perfect. Like things come up and, you know, yeah, you're traveling for work and all the rest and trying to have a successful career and, you know, support a family. I, I definitely, mm-hmm. I, I try to support the relationship by making sure that that stuff is all good, not having the right. financial concerns, not having, I look at it like that, like that's a big part of my role in the relationship. And I don't think she quite sees it that way or hasn't. Right. But see, do you notice how, how conflicted you are inside yourself, how you're contradicting yourself? So you're Absolutely. telling me yeah. I prioritize work, but then you're also telling mm-hmm. me, well, I really didn't. I was just doing what needed to be done for the family. So right. the, the thing about a situation like this is Like, I think I'm thinking of a friend of mine right now who got pregnant 
very accidentally was even on birth control and got pregnant with someone she was newly uh-huh. dating. And she tried to make it work so long with the father and she was willing to do the internal work, to go to counseling, all those kinds of things. He really wasn't. He was just pointing the finger at her a lot. And mm-hmm. she eventually realized that this whole staying together for the kid wasn't really doing the kid any good because the tension between them was what the kid was growing up around. And she also realized that she was trying to pull all the weight in the relationship and that it didn't matter how much work she did if he wasn't willing to come along and do the work with her, it it didn't matter. It was like all of a sudden she was becoming fluent in a different language and wanted him to speak it, but he wasn't going to those language classes and learning it. So eventually she got to the point where she realized that the best thing actually for the child was to not see this really dysfunctional relationship and them kind of picking at each other and not being happy and for him to have the possibility of independent relationships with both of his parents and see both of his parents a lot happier. Sure. And what's interesting about that is, you know, I am and have been historically, I do a lot of the self-work for myself. So I do go to therapy. I've offered for she and I to go to counseling and do those types of things. She's always refused. Mm-hmm. And so I've gone and done that by myself intermittently over the years and am again now. You know, and mm-hmm. that's not like you deserve a medal for it, but I, I'm just kind of still trying to take every action that I can to try to make things work. And I wouldn't say that it's a volatile relationship. It's actually one of those that's almost not something you hear about all the time. Like it's very calm. Everything's, there's no fighting, none of that, especially in front of our child. But it's definitely like uncomfortable for me to be in the home because I think that there are a bunch of expectations and just things that I'm not doing that would make her happy. And I can tell that I think she feels like that she's not, you know, fulfilled in a relationship. You know, it's, it's seemingly like in the last year, just kind of picking on all the little things and making mountains out of that. Right. So not being like grateful for the things we do have, but like looking toward the things that we don't or. Wait, she does that or you do that? I would say that she does. So like. She picks on the. Yeah. Yeah. So like little things like doing the dishes, chores around the house, things like that. Like they become these major things where she gets extremely upset and says, you know, I'm not fulfilled in a relationship because you're not doing X, Y, or Z. And Mm -hmm. even though you're doing a thousand other things, it's the person choosing to focus on that stuff that is kind of Mm -hmm. making everybody kind of walk out of his blades, if that makes sense. Right. Right. And what did she have to give up in her life to have this child and become a mom, become your wife? What did she give up? Oh my God. I mean, I can only imagine being a woman and having a child when you didn't expect it. And, you know, she, she wasn't in a career at that time. She was in between jobs or careers. So she didn't leave a job per se, but I'm sure that there would have been opportunities that she not had a child that she might've pursued. Mm -hmm. So there's some, Mm -hmm. there's some stuff there. She's been a full-time mom the entire time. So you give up certain relationships and I'm sure friendships. Mm -hmm. I I, I try not to overlook those types of things. Well, it's not, and I I appreciate your compassion and I'm not villainizing her in this situation at all. I'm really looking at why is she nagging you? And the thing with women when we're nagging our men is it's never about the dishes. Women, we get leaky. I call it leaky. Meaning when we have too much big emotions suppressed, mainly anger. See, women don't have good release valves for anger. That's why I lead a women's retreat where I spend three hours doing an anger burn with women. (laughs) And when anger is suppressed, it gets super leaky as irritability. 
and as nitpicking. That's basically suppressed anger. And I'm sure that she's very terrified to access that anger because she's conflicted too. She loves being a mom, but she's probably a little angry that she had to give so much up, but she, she doesn't feel like she could ever express that because then that would make her a quote unquote terrible mom. Mm. So the thing that is important for us to talk about right now is to get to the understanding, right? Understanding someone's actions doesn't lead to an excuse to justify them and to tolerate them. So while you can be incredibly understanding, if she's not willing to do the work to deal with the emotions that are causing the nitpicking and the tension in your relationship, then where does that really leave you? You know, one person alone, like if if we were just talking about you and your life, I could 1000% coach you on how to shift things. But one person alone cannot change the relationship if someone else isn't willing to look at their end of it. Now, you could get to a super like Zen Buddha level and just be (laughs) in complete love and acceptance and just smother her with love and, and that will eventually break down the feminine walls. But I don't know if you're quite at the point to do that because my sense is her behavior and this whole situation is triggering something from your past that you haven't quite cleaned up yet. Do you have any idea what that is? Oh, um, I mean, it could be any number of things, I guess. I mean, I think that to answer part of, or I guess to respond to part of what you said, you know, I, I definitely am at a place right now where I feel like I've given so much of an effort that I don't know Mm -hmm. how much more I have to give. That's not reciprocal. And when you're also trying to do some work on yourself to make a relationship better and that other person isn't doing it on their end, it makes it, uh, at least in my mind, it makes it tough. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. just an immature way of no, looking I at would, it or not. No, I would agree that that makes it tough for anyone. Again, unless you're like a Zen Buddha master who can always yeah. be in that place of love, but that's a hard place to get to if that sure. person is a trigger. And, and so let me ask you a very pointed question. Yep. Who in your life did you not feel respected or really seen by growing up? I mean, I think that that answer would be probably my, well, I mean, I guess both of my parents, if I'm being honest, dad was not in the picture most of the time. Um, a lot of alcoholism background there, just kind of verbal and physical abuse, like between mom and me and sister, et cetera. But then my mom on her side was doing a ton of work to try to keep the family together and kind of started focusing a lot on herself. So, and she was working full time, you know, sometimes a couple jobs traveling a lot. So when my sister and I were young, we were, you know, a little bit more on our own than I think a lot of kids that I remember in our peer groups. Yeah. So it could be both. So if I'm looking at it that way, I mean, that would be the answer. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good answer. So in so many ways you felt really alone and that's the way you feel in this marriage. You feel alone. And I'm good at it though, which is interesting. Well, Mm -hmm. we're, we're really good at perpetuating our wounding because we Mm -hmm. attract what's familiar to us, not what's healthy. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So this is, and you know, you, you said in the beginning, figure out a couple of times. I mean, if we want to figure anything out, we just did, you know, you, you basically created a situation that feels like it did when you were growing up. 
mm-hmm. just have a little bit more grown up power to go out, make money, you know, you know, all those kind of things and feel like you're controlling more, but that's been your coping strategy your whole life is let me just do because there wasn't really a lot of love there. There wasn't a lot of love. There wasn't a lot of respect and really being seen. There wasn't a lot of validation. Like you've never really had the feeling of being totally supported. So Mm -hmm. you've drawn in someone that, you know, isn't really showing up for you because neither one of your parents showed up for you. I think that's fair. And also, you know, I, uh, I definitely went into the relationship kind of at least partially how, you know, you can't know someone super well in the short time frame that we were together before, mm-hmm. um, you know, pregnancy and everything else. But I definitely knew some of her background and she has similar things in her childhood, you know, that weren't great. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like love and compassion from her just naturally. She's not sure. a very kind of touchy feely person. So it's well that, underneath, underneath all yeah. her armor, she might be. But the thing is, if she's not willing to take that armor off, you're just going to continue to live in your childhood wounding. For sure. So let's just, let's just bookmark this and let's, how old mm-hmm. is your, you have a son, right? Yes. Okay. How old is he now? Yeah. Uh, he's five. He's five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to 15. Mm-hmm. What do you want him to be saying about you at 15? And what do you want his relationship with you to be like? And final question, what do you want his model of a relationship between two people that supposedly love each other to look like? Uh, I would, I mean, I would want his to the polar opposite of mine. And I think I've strived for that. I think he has as well. But keeping like to very specific to answer your question, I mean, I would want him to see a very healthy relationship, two people that truly, truly love each other, love to spend time together, have great things in common, love to do certain activities together, and, you know, are a very cohesive family unit, which are things that he doesn't have today, necessarily. Right. And not because we don't try individually, it's because we, I don't think, are good at it together. You just hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So is he going to have more of a shot of that if he has individual relationships with you and maybe, and and the thing is, Breton, if you really keep doing the work, if you dive in and you're with a therapist or a coach that really can pull you forward, not just that just sits there and listens, like you need somebody strong because you're smart. (laughs) So you need somebody strong that can really help you move through this. You can have the kind of relationship you're talking about. You Mm. 1000% can. When we do the work and we heal the wounds, then we don't need to keep marrying and dating mom and dad. Right. So you have that possibility. Now, if she was doing the work too, I would say you may have that with her. But in Mm -hmm. all of my personal history and with working with thousands of people, if, if it's this sort of off and it kind of has been from the beginning and there's a refusal by one person to see that the reason it's off is because of both people's individual issues, not because of the other person, right? The finger pointing has to stop. If, if both people aren't willing to kind of point the finger back at themselves, do their own healing, and then in turn work on the relationship, it just continues to be run on the old operating system of childhood wounding. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you already know this. And so my question is, what's stopping you from moving forward with a separation and and starting to create individually your healthy relationships with your son? I think just fear of knowing how to do that and making sure that he's as perfect as he can be, like through it. I think it's just my fear of not knowing the first step or not knowing, you know, I guess A, Am I making the right decision in doing that, if that's the decision? And then be mm-hmm. making sure that he's perfect because he deserves, mm-hmm. I mean, everything, right? So mm-hmm. I I don't want to, I don't want to trip up. I don't want to make a mistake and right. either pull the trigger too quickly and not think about it fully, you know, and everyone has different advice and counseling on how to do that. So it's, mm-hmm. it becomes even more complicated. Yeah. And I respect that. I respect that. But also know that he's five years old and he's continuing to see an unhealthy relationship between his mom and dad. And that's his model. Right. So, and and I also think that we put on a good face in front of him. You know what I mean? There's also that. Yes. And yes. And read the book, Family Secrets. (laughs) It's all about how it's called Family Secrets. And it's all about how even if things are not said, kids feel them. Mm-hmm. So for example, like there can be a family where there's cheating and the kid never, like the father cheated on the mother or the mother cheated on the father. It didn't matter. And the kid never knew about it. It was always a secret, but then they oh. went and attracted a cheater or they cheated themselves because it was in the energetic field. Interesting. You know, so, so again, only, you know, what's best for you, but from what you are telling me, one you're setting up something where modeling a healthy relationship probably isn't going to happen. And Mm -hmm. two, I don't know that you're ever going to be happy. And one of the best things we can model for our children is our own happiness. You know, really not, not in a selfish way. I'm not saying, you know, ditch your family and go out and have fun. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying do it in a selfish way. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really like what is for the highest good. long-term too. And there are amazing child psychologists that you could talk to. You could get him Mm -hmm. help along the way to process it and to deal with it and to help him really understand what's happening and get some, you know, if, if your logical mind needs that, that might be a great next step. Have you talked to a child psychologist? Not a child psychologist. No, you know, family and relationship um, on my side. Yes. And they've got some advice and input, but no, not somebody that specializes for the children. What do they say? What's some of the advice you've been given? You know, when you're sure that that's the route that you're going to go and you know, they, everybody, the two people that I've talked to have said that, you know, they would love the opportunity to speak to my wife and mm-hmm. get everybody on the same page. I think that's number one, but number yeah. two, just to be kind of open and honest and explain things the right way. And even at five, just continue to have the conversation and mm-hmm. Never appear like you're brushing anything under the rug because they will sense that, you know, there are other things going on that they're not necessarily exactly. privy to, even if, you know, even if you're trying to hide it. So I think at a high exactly. level, those are the key takeaways that I have. Yeah. And that's, that echoes what I said too about they sense yeah. it. So let me ask you this. What do you think is in the highest good of everybody concerned here? You know, I... It's hard to answer that question without first saying that every time I try to have a serious conversation or confront issues, you know, when I do that with my wife, 
she backs away almost immediately and pretty severely. So it's kind of refusing to have the really tough conversation. So it doesn't make it really easy to take next steps. Um, that's not an excuse. It's just a, it's just a matter of fact. But to answer your question in terms of like the best for everybody moving forward, it would be to try to have that conversation, I think, and say, you know, what is it that you want to do? How do you envision your life moving forward? Are you willing to kind of do the work both for yourself and then for us to try to keep this thing together or not? And then if not, and that's okay, if that's your choice, but like, if not, where do we go from here and how do we do it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's, it's, it's not an easy for anybody conversation, but it's also hard when you have one participant. Yeah. Yep. I think you just nailed it. <laughs> I guess so. It's just how do you how do you have that person engage, right? How do you have that person not want to back away well, from the tough conversations? The thing is, she she may not ever, you know, mm. but it doesn't it doesn't mean you stop from having them. And and also it might come to the point where you said, Listen, like this is this is the decision I've come to and I don't want to say ultimatum because I don't believe in ultimatums, but in in a lot of ways, you're not being super strong with her. So she's, she's, you're allowing her to waver Mm -hmm. and you've got to step a little bit more into your masculine. I don't mean being forceful, but basically say, let's just say her name is Sarah. Sarah, our relationship is shit. I'm willing to do something about it to fight for it but it's going to require you getting on the battlefield with me. If you don't want to get on the battlefield with me, I wouldn't use those words, wrong words, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm willing to, I'm willing to work on it. I'm willing to make it better. I'm willing to invest in healing, you know, our stuff. Both of us are bringing in our childhood shit into this marriage. It's not working. I don't want to stay in a marriage that's not working. I'm not saying I want a divorce. I'm saying I'm willing to work on it. And give it a good try, but that's going to take two of us. Are you in or not? If you're not in, in terms of working on it and dealing with your stuff, then let me know now. Cause if that's the case, I think the best thing for us to do is separate. Like it's time for you to be super strong and super clear and ask for what you need. Mm-hmm. Understood. And I guess that's the only option you have left when you've kind of repeatedly tried to have those conversations and the person won't engage. I mean, that's the only thing I haven't tried. Right. So it makes the most right. sense for that to be the next step. Right. Right. Try it. You know, you and I got clear on what's at play here. Right. Uh And so now it's time for you to be super clear because you've been a little and it makes sense given your childhood. You've been a little passive, but that's what you had to Uh do as a kid. You had to not speak up in order to stay safe. Sure. Absolutely. So it's time to speak up. And it's so interesting because I do this in my relationship, but I don't do it in any other aspect of my life. It's actually pretty <laughs> funny. Well, it makes sense because the relationship is the piece that most triggers your childhood. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? It does. And this has been hugely helpful. Thank you. Great. How has it been helpful? I think just, you know, I came into the call not knowing really what to do next. I felt like I had kind of tried everything and it's, it's an obvious thing for you to say to me with, you have to step into your masculine and actually be more forceful and do these things and actually say like, look, not ultimatum driven, but just matter of fact, like this is where we're at. This is where we could go. 
these are the things that we need to do to get there. And if we're both not kind of playing on the same sheet of music, then we can't, we can't achieve it. Um, and then there are next steps after that. Like exactly. it's, it's, it's so interesting. Like you can get lost in your own thoughts and never reach that conclusion on your own. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So you're clear as to what your next steps are. I am. Yeah. Okay. And that was really my whole intention in the call was to get you to this point where you will make that super clear declaration to her with a super clear question. But in order to get you to like realize that was needed, I had to talk you through all the other stuff. (laughs) Do you see that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you've been such a, in air quotes, good boy your whole life, you had to, you are really scared to make that kind of declaration and to know Mm -hmm. that you deserve that. Got it. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, and this is, this is in the long run is going to be best for your boy living in a loveless marriage where people are picking at each other and there's a lot of underlying frustration or anger or any of those kinds of things in the long run, it's not going to be great for him. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And, you know, it would be better. And, you know, I also, you know, and I know we're running up on time. I mean, I do, you know, there are other fears with that, you know, in terms of what the next steps are, but I think that that's where I always get lost and I try to focus on, you know, the 10 steps ahead but that's why I never take action on the steps that are in front of me. So right. I'm not even going to consider that or bring it up because it right now it doesn't matter and I can't control it anyway. So I'm just exactly. going to one step at a time on the things that are in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Because what I just did there is what I always do. And that's why I don't take that initial step. Beautiful, beautiful awareness. There you go. I realized I was doing it in real time. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's the next step. And, and honestly, if your therapist isn't getting you like, to these points regularly, mm-hmm. you may need a new one. Yeah, definitely not. And, um, point well taken. Okay. And that's, you know, it's just, you're in a place where you need somebody strong Sure. because you Absolutely. kind of like, we attract some, sometimes with our healers, we attract ourselves. We attract on our comfort zone. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to be with that person. That's a little bit of a stretch, maybe a little bit of a financial stretch, a little bit of a, Oh, like this, this, this person really says it like it is. Yeah, you you absolutely. need that kind of strength. Make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully I will find that. Yes. Well, you will. If you put it out there and I, I respect and honor the man that you are and the father that you are. And, you know, right now you're just in this, like I said, re- living in your, both of you are living in your childhood wounding. And hopefully this will be a wake up call for her, but she's not going to wake up unless you sound the alarm. Yep. For sure. Okay, Bratton. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Bretton, for your honesty and your vulnerability. And it's so great to have a man on the show. I love all my lady listeners and callers, but gentlemen, if you're out there and you'd like to be on the show, I'd love to bring some more testosterone and to balance it out a little more. So be sure to email assist at christinehassler.com if you are a gentleman and you'd like to be coached on the show. So I don't have too much of a breakdown for you on this because I did so much coaching and explaining in the call, but there's a couple of things I just want to highlight and reiterate. 
So, so much of what Breton said, which is very common for all of us, especially men, is he was trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out and do the right thing. And he really connected the big dot at the end when he said, you know, I'm trying to figure out all the steps and it's preventing me from taking any action. And that's so true. The more we sit and trying to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out, we don't take action. And so what I encourage any of you who are trying to figure it out is to feel it out instead to drop from your mind into your heart and to feel into not what is the right choice, but what is the most aligned choice? What is truly for the highest good for everyone concerned? And when we really drop into feeling it out, we drop into our heart, which is full of infinite wisdom. And we also drop more deeply into our intuition, which is where way more of the answers are. And in my efforts to support Breton in feeling it out, one of the things that I had him do was feel into what it would be like for his son five years, 10 years down the road, and what he really wants to model for his son. And when he was able to talk about that, he was able to feel into more of what was the aligned decision. An important thing I really want to highlight is this distinction of expiration dates and how you know when you've reached one. And more specifically, what do you do if you're the one doing the work and your partner isn't? Does that mean that it's reached an expiration date? That Does that mean it's over? Well, not necessarily. So you may be in a situation where your relationship is actually good. Like there's actually nothing wrong with it. You're connected. It's not toxic. And you're doing all this personal growth work and you really wish your partner would do it, but it's just not their jam. They're happy with their life. They they just really aren't that interested. That doesn't mean the relationship is over. I can think of a couple in particular and the female, the woman got really invested in personal growth and psychology and meditation and all this kind of stuff. And her husband really just wasn't that into it. And she thought about ending it for a while because she's like, I'm on this growth path and he's not. But the thing was, their marriage was good. Like when she really focused on all the things he did do and all the ways they did have a healthy relationship and, and all the ways he did provide and what, what he really enjoyed and what brought him joy, then she really stopped obsessing about the fact that he wasn't quote unquote doing the work. But the key thing in what I'm sharing is that there wasn't anything toxic going on. They had a good foundation. They had a healthy enough relationship. It was just a preference thing. She was really into it and he wasn't. Like she would really be into opera and he wasn't. So it didn't really create a massive division in their relationship once she realized, oh, he's just not that into it, but the relationship is healthy. Now it's a little different when the relationship isn't healthy, when it's more of that issue-based relationship, like from my point of view, it is with Breton. Now I'm only hearing one side of the story, but it seems like they're both bumping up against a lot of childhood wounding. And on top of that, she's bumping up against a lot of just just anger and having to go through the change of becoming a mother and feeling like she gave up her life and moved with him. And she's, she's justified to have those feelings, but the problem is she's not really dealing with those feelings. And so she's just getting leaky onto him. And so they just keep bouncing off each other and he's willing to go to therapy and to do the work but she's just totally unwilling. He, he actually used the words she's always refused. So that kind of creates a stalemate. And it's really hard to work on a relationship that actually needs work and needs healing if two people aren't willing to do the work. 
And I know at times it may have seemed like I was encouraging him to leave. Actually, I wasn't. I was more just painting a picture. I was encouraging him to take a first step. And the first step I was hoping that he would get to is to have a more direct conversation with her that says, hey, if you aren't willing to start working on this with me, then I don't really see where this is going to go. So I know deep down she is an amazing person and she is capable of having a beautiful relationship with him or someone else, but there's some things that need to be worked through. So I'm glad that we eventually got to that action step because if people aren't willing to do the work, then they constantly run on an old operating system and you just loop the same problem and the same arguments or the same kind of complacency over and over and over again. And even though their relationship isn't volatile, so the kid isn't growing up with a lot of fighting, he is observing and feeling the dynamic between them. So modeling a healthy relationship isn't really possible unless you have a healthy relationship. And children learn much more from our behavior, kind of the unspoken, what they feel from us, than actually what we say. Another thing I said is one of the best things we can model for our children is happiness. Well, let me elaborate what I mean by happiness. I don't mean by happiness we just do whatever the freak we want to satisfy our needs and we don't go through hard times or stick it out. What I mean is happiness involves self-honoring choices. Happiness involves knowing when we've reached a stalemate in a certain situation and making different choices instead of allowing any situation or any relationship or any other person to weigh us down. Final thing I'll say before I get to the takeaways is kind of what I said in the beginning. It's so important when you're making a major life decision to want to feel into it and to not think so many steps ahead. Because if you think about step 10, when you're at step one, you won't take step one because you'll be overwhelmed by the thought of step 10. But just know by the time you get to step 10, You'll have taken steps one through nine, so it won't feel overwhelming. Some takeaways for you from this call. If you're dealing with a big decision, I want you to fast forward like I did with Breton to five or 10 years from now and think about what you want your life to look like. And then think about what choices you need to make today to create that future. Next, if you're in a relationship and questioning if it has an expiration date, do your work speak your truth. And if the other person doesn't respond to the alarm, well, then you might be. And for parents, think about what you're teaching your children with your actions and choices, not just what you tell them or teach them directly. And if you're working with someone, a therapist or a coach, and you don't feel like you're kind of meeting your edge and making progress, then consider that you may need to hire someone that's a little bit stronger. Often we even attract therapists and coaches that are in our comfort zone and keep us in our comfort zone because that's comfortable. And you want to be with someone that's not like giving you the answers or telling you what to do, but is really asking you the questions that you need to be asked to get to your own truth. And that is getting the wheels to turn and getting you to have those kind of aha moments of like, oh man, like this is something I really need to do. So you want to be, I don't want to say leaving a therapy or coaching session feeling uncomfortable, but you at least want to feel like you're growing. And if I can help you with that, I'm always available and you can take my mastery course, christinehasler.com slash mastery. I always love when my podcast listeners join us for mastery. All right, everybody, that is our show for this week. 
I love you all. Sending you so much love, appreciation, and blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.